today on Ag News Daily. Why not? This, this seems like the common theme on Twitter these days is to see how, how long it takes the week to get to zero. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's Madison Hancock here on the Ag News Daily podcast, and I am joined by Delaney Howell. And Delaney, what are you thinking about this weather that we are having Ooh, right now? Yeah, that's a good question. We finally had a little bit of, we had some rain over the weekend, actually. And I guess with rain, that kind of means temperatures are heating up a little bit. So I think this week, at least in central Iowa, we're supposed to see temperatures up to 50 degrees. So that's pretty exciting. I know. I It's like 34 right now, and mm-hmm. I still only wore a sweatshirt walking down to the yeah. dining center. Because... I think... I think um, this the no wind has a lot to do with it. Yeah, definitely that, and we've gotten so used to you know below zero temperatures yeah. that it just feels warmer. Yeah, that it does. I'm not complaining at all. And with warmer oh, no. temperatures, farmers can hopefully start getting into the fields after the snow has all melted. Mm-hmm. But it's really for this time of year, we just still have a lot of snow cover. In a lot of the U.S. Yeah, it really is. And I think, I know I have a friend, he has um, kind of a snow moving business Mm. more in northern Iowa, kind of closer to Minnesota, and they've been clearing snow all weekend. Oh, yeah, Yeah. I bet. So hopefully no more snow on the forecast. But Madison, what's on the forecast this week for agricultural news? Well, for some news to just kind of start off with is that Trump actually proposed a budget plan, and it kind of targets spending cuts throughout Mm -hmm. different departments. And, you know, it does say that a lot of these kind of presidential budget requests aren't typically signed into law, but it's still, you know, it's still likely to be signed in or it has a chance. But it does offer a lot of different cuts, especially to to the USDA. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a proposed fiscal budget for 2020. Madison, some of the cuts that I read about that could be part of this fiscal budget, which again, it's still a little preliminary and we have to wait and see if Congress will sign it into effect. But he really was, as uh, I think it comes to no surprise to anybody, he was trying to cut some money out of other pockets or pools of money to add or increase spending in defense spending. Um, Some of the proposals I saw were to cut some SNAP or the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program dollars and and change the work requirements there again. He also proposed to slash part of the Economic Research Services budget, which those are the folks that do a lot of the research studies that USDA puts out. Um, Also included in that was some cuts to... Uh, to slash crop insurance and tighten commodity program eligibility limits. So those are just a couple of preliminary cuts we saw here. But so currently, um, the budget would snap would slash snap to cost sixty four billion dollars. Um, so about seventeen point four billion dollars in fiscal year twenty twenty. And then over the next twenty years, he proposed to cut or or would like to cut put into action here nearly $220 billion cut in SNAP programs. And that'll be kind of be interesting to see how that plays out, I think, um, especially if it does get signed in, which I don't I don't know if I can see it being signed in because I know a lot of 
lawmakers do kind of support that. Um, but also, you know, they are even with the crop insurance. I don't, I don't know. I kind of, it's a little daunting to see mm-hmm. if, see if that happens. Yeah. And so the crop insurance cuts were 26 billion over the next 10 years and also eliminating the harvest price option, which would save about an estimated $22 billion. Um, another thing would be to putting a cap on insurance company underwritings and eligibility limits of $500,000 a year. So those are just a couple of those preliminary preliminary uh, proposals that President Trump made. Again, not set in stone. Yes, exactly. Well, in other news, another thing we saw this week coming out of Washington, D.C. was a new USDA uh, study, and that was led here starting in 2013 by ARS agricultural engineer Alan Rotz. He did a study on beef producers and their relationship to the climate change. So we know, of course, that um, Ocasio-Cortez has uh, put forth this Green New Deal. And so this came out really in a a great time here to kind of react to Ocasio-Cortez's February rollout of that Green New Deal. This study showed that greenhouse gas emissions in their analysis were not all that different from what other credible studies had shown and and not a significant contributor to long-term global warming. So total beef cattle production accounted for 3.3% of all U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. By comparison, when you look at transportation and electricity, that accounts for 56%. And then agriculture in total accounts for 9% of greenhouse gas emissions. So cattle consumed about 2.6 pounds of grain per pound of beef, which is a figure comparable to pork and poultry figures. So again, I think this just goes to show, you know, those folks in D.C. don't necessarily always know uh, the most relevant things here going on in agriculture. But we saw actually on earlier or end of last week and beginning of this week, hear that Ocasio-Cortez, after that rollout there, she's now looking for um, allies, essentially, to start working on some of this legislation. Personally, I hope it has no legs. Um, but again, that's something we'll see here. And But I, I think at least it's good that we got this report out now and, and kind of, you know, proves that maybe the Green New Deal isn't really what Ocasio-Cortez thinks it is. Yeah, exactly. And even to go along with the Green New Deal... Um, I did read that they are kind of looking for help, like you said, and to see where, you know, how they can actually under more come to an understanding of it. And um, because it did really anger a lot of ag groups and people in agriculture, and it's just not popular, I feel mm-hmm. like, with a lot of uh, rural citizens, really. And um, they're actually... Uh, have getting help from researchers at the University of California to discuss potential climate mitigation efforts in agriculture. And it does say that they are trying to find kind of a new consensus and find different ways um, to convert convert waste into renewable energy. So it'll be interesting to see if they do find something, um, you know, but I, but again, I don't, I think they're seeing that it's not quite as popular with the public as they thought it would be. Yeah. And another thing, when you look at that divide between urban and rural, 
producers or consumers, we saw Smithfield Foods lose another lawsuit in this time in Duplin County, North Carolina. They lost here. Jurors determined that the pork producer, pork producing giant, should pay four hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And so now Smithfield is up to $550 million in penalties throughout five different cases. This is the fifth nuisance lawsuit that neighbors have suffered essentially from waste generated from thousands of, of uh, hogs. That's the complaint at least. And this time Duplin County um, was the place that happened, arguing that about 5,000 of the company's animals caused neighbors or surrounding neighbors intense smells, clouds of flies, and other conditions. This was about a five-week trial, and we saw that just come out on Friday afternoon. That final juror um, awarded those defendants that $420,000. So not good when you look at what's going on in the pork industry and just think it puts a lot of light on the fact that agriculture is going to get harder and harder to uh, to continue to do as as folks you know push forth lawsuits like this and we don't see some sort of action taken for agricultural stance yeah that's very true and i i always have an issue with um the especially when we've been seeing a lot of those lawsuits in the past couple um months and even the past couple years because mm-hmm. it's for me if you're kind of buying a house or building a house near, you know, a hog confinement or, you know, there's a farm down the road, you're going to have those smells right. and you're going to have those issues. So it's more of like the public just needs to understand, like, this mm. is what's going to happen. Great point. Because, yeah, because we, I had, you know, um, a, there was a guy in one of my classes last semester, and I think I have talked about this before. He owns his very, his own hog confinements. He has two and there are two different locations up in northeast Iowa, and the, his neighbors tried saying, "Well, you know, you brought our property value down," and um, they were trying to kind of blame him for it. But he did say, "He's like, I these barns were up before your house was up, so it's just kind of one of those things that you need to understand is going to happen, yeah. and that's just a setback that you're going to have if you're going to live by a farm." Yeah, absolutely, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, Madison, what other news did you have for today? I think that was all that I had was just the Green New Deal and the budget. All right. Well, I have a couple of other quick pieces of news to bring up here. We're not going to see a meeting here at the end of the month between U.S. and China. Seems like we're still getting quite a few mixed messages out of Washington, D.C. and from Chinese folks um, you know, familiar with the issue. However, President Trump did tell reporters he's planning to send the USMCA agreement to Capitol Hill for ratification very shortly. That would essentially move the agreement into a 90-day clock for Congress to either approve or reject the president's signature. So that seems like it's moving right along here finally. And we're also going to see, although we're not going to see a meeting between U.S. and China, we are going to see a meeting between the Brazilian president, Bolsonaro, and President Trump. He is planning to visit the White House on March 19th and discuss some preliminary talks about potentially launching a trade deal with Brazil. So exciting news there. And then I just saw this came across the wires uh, just a little while ago. 
and that's talking about U.S. pork exports for 2018. We saw excellent growth in sales to South Korea and Colombia, and overall just really strong pork exports for 2018. They accounted for 25.7% of total U.S. pork and pork variety meat production. So that's great that we saw that. And export value per head averaged $51.37, so down just slightly from 2017. But we saw more than 100 countries import U.S. pork in 2018. So even though we did see some uh, trade and tariff, you know, problems there for a little Mm -hmm. while, it looks like U.S. pork still remained fairly strong over 2018. That's good. And, you know, we can all... We can only go up, hope, we hope, um, yeah. and especially with the China trade deal, um, that seem, it's been kind of, it's been a process going through because we did, we thought we would, you know, see a kind of a deal breaker at the beginning of this month. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully by the end of the month, we'll see something. But. Yeah, some trade talks maybe or some, a little mm-hmm. more positivity in the markets. And actually speaking exactly. of that, I just thought of one more piece here. We saw... Uh, China agreed to about 926,000 metric tons of soybeans. It was just a sale. We haven't seen confirmed shipments, but that really didn't do a lot for the soybean markets for today. Madison, what do you say? Should we break it down and see what the markets did for today? Let's do it, Delaney. All right. And of course, our markets are sponsored by our partners over at the Zayner Group there in Chicago. Ted Seifert, Brian Grossman, Matt Zayner. You can give them a call at 312-277-0050. In the corn markets here, the March contract down two and a quarter cent at 5.52 and a half. The December down two cents to close at 3.86 and a half. In the soybean pits, as I mentioned there, not a lot of positivity even on that promised sale from China. The March contract lost six cents on the day to close at 8.77 and three quarters. The November down five cents to close at 9.25 and a half. In the wheat pits, continuing their downward slide in the March contract, down ten and a half cents at four twenty-two and a quarter. The May down eleven at four twenty-eight and a half. In the livestock pits, live cattle and feeder cattle were not spared today. The April contract down sixty-seven and a half cents at one twenty-nine even. The June lost seventy cents at one twenty twenty-five. In the feeder cattle pits, the March contract cut a dollar sixty-two and a half at one forty-two thirty. The April down a dollar seventy-two and a half to close at one forty-five ninety-seven and a half. In the lean hog pits, quite a bit of green on the screen. The April contract not limit up, but near limit up today at two dollars and thirty cents up on the day at sixty-two eighty-five. The May up two dollars and ten cents at seventy-one oh two and a half. And rounding out the markets with the class three dairy futures, the March contract down two cents at fourteen ninety-five. The April up two cents. At 1482. Now for today's market discussion or hashtag Market Monday discussion, I've got independent analyst Darren Newsom. All right, well, it's been quite a while since we've had Darren Newsom on the show. He is Darren Newsom analysis now, darrennewsom.com. Out on your own, Darren, tell us a little bit about some of the commentary that you've been or the analysis you've been writing. Yeah, it's it's, uh, I appreciate that, Delaney. It's, it's pretty much what I've always done. Uh, you know, I put some, I put some morning commentary out. I, I do some afternoon commentary, uh, weekly blogs, which is basically just my technical analysis uh, that I that I've always done over the weekends. I have my weekly column. Uh, I cover 
you know, this is going to sound crazy, but I cover I cover reports as well. I put comments up hmm. on reports, but not all reports. And mm-hmm. like last Friday, I posted three charts with three little blurbs, and that was the extent of my uh, coverage of, of USDA's nonsense last Friday. So yeah, it's nice, uh, you know, getting a good response from it, uh, and. You know, again, it's mostly just what I've always done. Now I'm just doing it on my own. Yeah, absolutely. So, Darren, let's talk about it, especially in the corn market here. From a technicals perspective, we've been range-bound here. We, The corn today was trading right above their September lows. Are we going to be able to break out of this range? Oh, in, in time. But the thing is, corn likes to trade sideways. Uh, you know, it, it really needs a reason to not, it, it needs more of a reason to not trade sideways than to stay sideways. So, I mean, we can see news come in and out, and, you know, news is basically just noise uh, spelled differently. And it's just very comfortable. Now, today, uh, let's see what we did today. We saw some pressure, you know, light pressure in both uh, old crop uh, May and new crop beast. And as I look at the beast contract, it, it updates it down a couple cents. Um, you know, I just don't see us getting overly excited. I guess we did. Did we take out the low? We equaled last week's low. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see markets up a little bit on Tuesday, see corn up maybe a penny or so on Tuesday. Uh, the most interesting thing about market that I see right now is will it, you know, just on a week-by-week basis, will it hold its previous low? And, and you know, right today, and we equaled yet last week. Um, I would not be surprised to take that out uh, this week, maybe as early as, as early in the overnight session. And if we do, even if we do rally at that point, we've set a new low, that's still, you know, it's still eventually going to weigh on the market. So, Long answer to a short question. I don't see any reason for corn to really rally here. Uh, old crop, we've got demand slowing down. Mm-hmm. New crop, we're you know we're still going to have plenty of, of uh, beginning stocks, and then acres and production is anybody's guess. Nobody knows. Uh, so there's still a lot of questions about what could happen with new crop, which is basically why we're still seeing mid range, you know, roughly between 315 and 450. That's just where corn's, you know, where these corn's most comfortable. And they're just about mid range, not moving too far in either direction. Darren, what about the commitment of traders report? They, we've seen the funds add a net 74, almost 75,000 to their net short position. Why are we seeing mm-hmm. the funds be so short during this period? This is going to floor a lot of people, but it's because of fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean I don't mean USDA because that's a bunch of garbage. But <laughs> if we look at the real fundamentals of the market, if we look at if we look at where the futures flow, you know, if we look at the May July carry right now, I'll pull that up. If we look at the May July, it's sitting about nine and a half. By this calculation, about seventy five percent of full commercial carry calculated full commercial carry. That's a lot. If you Figure roughly 67% the break line to, to get into bearish territory. Uh, merchandisers may start to roll about 70%. Here we are sitting at 75%. You know, everybody's squeaking and squawking about, oh, you know, corn's going to be bullish this and bullish that, demand this, China's ethanol program that. 
none of, none of it matters. It's all bearish until it's shown up. It shows up in the market right now. Future spreads are bearish, at least old crop. So uh, there's nothing to get excited about. There's no reason for funds to be buying in here at this point. Let the market come down a little bit. Maybe we start to see some demand pick up. Maybe we don't. But if we do, spreads start to change. You might see some fun money come back in. And when you say those things need to come to the market, are you talking about the physical proof that we've sold ethanol or corn or whatever to China or whoever? No, because by the time we see the physical proof, uh, it's going to be, I mean, everybody wants to see the headline this and headline that, you know, we've actually got the proof. Now, mm-hmm. the only proof that we'll need to see is when the spreads start to move, because that's when the business is actually being done. You know, everyone wants that, you know, the other thing that everyone's looking at right now is we've got, you know, bases is holding firm. Well, of course it is. We've got, what, four feet of snow on the ground all across the Midwest. Nobody's going to bins. Nobody's digging out last year's corn. It's sitting t- locked up tight. So we've got bases stronger than average to, uh, right now, but it's not really reflecting a bullish supply and demand situation. So that's a bit skewed. I'm not a big, you know, basis bull right now. Right now, I'm looking at the spreads. They're still bearish. When they start to move, then something's going on. Okay. Darren, you also mentioned the headlines there. I know you don't hold a lot of value in USD reports, but we did see an announced sale this morning of 926,000 metric tons to of soybeans to China, and the markets didn't care. They closed down on the day. I'm going yep. I'm gonna guess I'm going to be able to... to hypothesize your answer, but what is it that didn't move the markets today with that announcement? Number one, it's old news. I mean, it's new to everybody that's frothed over that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's 34 million bushels. We're still way behind on not only sales. Everyone gets excited about sales. I don't care about sales. Let's see what gets shipped. If we look at our shipment pace, we're still running way behind. The USDA left its uh, projected uh, export demand unchanged. To me, that's a problem going forward with, with the pace that we're on right now. But why didn't the market react to that? Well, that was already built into the market. We've already made those sales. That wasn't something, I mean, it was, it was new as far as the headline goes, but the market's already traded it, and it mm. didn't affect the market even back then, even last week when the business was being done. So the fact that you know soybeans closed lower today just means there wasn't any new business being done today. We're not going to see another headline. We might, I say, I say, I say we won't. Very, I mean, we still could see more headlines, but it's on business that's already been done. It didn't look like there was anything new being sold uh, being sold today. No, no new transactions being done today, and that just allowed the markets to continue to go down. From a technical pr- perspective, Darren, is there any reason for the markets to continue heading down, or are we? Are we pretty well set in these ranges as well for soybeans? I think soybeans, well, soybeans are testing some support. They've come down quite a ways. You know, I'm looking at the July because if folks mm-hmm. are still holding hedges out uh, on, on the old crop uh, in, in the futures market, they probably hope rolled out to the July by now. Support out around 901 and a half, 901 and three quarter. We got down to uh, about 903 and a quarter. So we're getting. <laughs> Um, so we're testing some support there. If it breaks, yeah, we've got another you know, 10, 15 cents down possibly. Um, then we'll probably find some buying. New crop, no. You know, it's next support's down on 918. I would fully expect it to try to test that. There's really no reason why it shouldn't. So we are in a little bit of a, you know, we're in a technical sell-off here. Uh, we're in a technical sell-off, which means funds are selling. And funds are selling because 
fundamentals are bearish. You know, we talked about corn spread being in the uh, in the 75 percent uh, uh, full uh, calculated calculated full commercial period. We're 80 percent plus uh, in the May July soybeans. Last I looked, it was about 82 percent. So, you know, again, it's just it's just a bearish. I mean, there's two sides to every market. Both sides are bearish right now. And, you know, we could see some short covering rallies, but until the fundamentals change, I just don't see anything really kicking in long term. And I'm going to guess it's the same story in the wheat market. They notched a new low this morning in, in trade. They just continue on this downward spiral. I mean, today they lost 10 cents in the March and 11 cents in the December. Darren, they going to get down as low as $4? You know, why not? This, this seems like the common theme on Twitter these days is to see how, how long it takes the week to get to zero. Uh, you know, what, what I'm most interested in is the two July contracts uh, in both Kansas City and Chicago, the new crop contracts, and they, again, went to new lows today. And, again, with, with really no possibility of weather threats at this time of year, it's just not, it's just not there. But, yeah, we were down 10 cents today. Uh, 11 cents in some of the old crop Chicago. Yeah, we're just going to keep grinding. So, again, could it pop at any time? Absolutely. We could see a little bit of a bounce, but fundamentally, there's just no reason for it to be able to hold itself. So, you know, we're looking at four, we're looking at four, about 430 on the, on the July KC contract. I mean, you can certainly test the $4 market before all said and done. Mm. That's not very enticing then for our wheat producing friends, is it, Darren? No, it's not. But you know, it shouldn't be that surprising either. I mean, we we've got a lot of wheat on hand. Uh, we did reduce our winter wheat acres. We knew we knew we were going to do that. We could see, at least the early talk was we were going to see more spring wheat acres. But now again, with most of the northern plains still under, like what what was it, five, ten feet of snow, whatever it is up there, uh, they're really starting to wonder about when they might get into field to plant any spring wheat. So we could see. We could see the spring wheat acres come in a little bit less. The bottom line is we just have too much wheat on hand, and yeah. we can't sell it. We're not shipping it. We're going to, I mean, our pace, we're heading into the fourth quarter of the marketing year. Uh, our pace is running well behind expectations. Uh, you know, we're, it's, just, it's just a tough sell right now, and, and that just continues to weigh on the wheat market. Darren, is there anything excited to be about? Is there anything to be excited about when we look at the live cattle and feeder cattle markets. They didn't have great closes on today, but for the most part, they've been, it seems like, holding pretty steady. They are holding steady. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen some very solid rallies in, in the live cattle market, both the April and June. Uh, you know, I was, this weekend I was kind of leaning towards, you know, wanting to say we could see this, you know, either one of those two contracts turn around, start to go lower, but they showed some resiliency today. Feeder cattle posted a bit, uh, you know, a bullish technical signal last week in the March, I believe it was the March contract, uh, could have been the April, uh, posted a, a bullish technical signal, but we got no follow through buying on today. So a little bit surprising with corn lower that we didn't see a bit more buying, uh, buying interest in the feeder cattle. Again, they're just trending sideways. Live cattle, they just act like they want to stay up here for right now. Um, I don't see, you know, we're starting to a little bit of pressure in the April June spread last week. Haven't really seen it take hold in the cash market yet, but if the cash market starts to soften, I think futures will come down. Right now, you know, we'll just look comfortable up near the highs. 
uh, I'd be very cautious with them up here, though. Okay. And then finally, we've got to talk about lean hogs. They've had quite a few, I think, yeah. Thursday, Friday, today. They've had some near-limit up days. Are we getting ready for a summer rally, or is there something else going on in the lean hog markets? You know, to me, this looks more like a technical rally. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we, saw, we saw a turnaround uh, going back a couple weeks now. And uh, we've been able to build on that, which is nice. Uh, it's like the third week up. We've tested some support up around 62.90. We were able to pop through that and come back a little bit today. I would still anticipate you know, this market to you know, ease off the gas here a little bit. You know, we got this initial burst up from its lows. Now I see it pull back a little bit, find some buyers again, and then head up again. Uh, but it's been a nice rally. Uh, for those who are still holding short futures, it's kind of a tough call right now. Uh, we did some we did some bullish technical things with the big move here on Monday. You know, might have stopped some hedges out, uh, some short hedges out. You need to be careful with that uh, because I am a little bit concerned that we could see the market pull back a little bit. Hopefully, not take out the lows, mm-hmm. pull back again, and then it's the next way higher. All right. Darren Newsom, one more time before I let you go, remind me how folks can get access to your new website commentary as well as interact with you on social media. They can find me on the old social media, on, on old Twitter, still at Darren Newsom, just at Darren Newsom. Uh, for the subscribers to the website, which is uh, DarrenNewsom.com, they can also go to uh, Newsom Analysis, at Newsom Analysis on Twitter. Uh, once they subscribe, then I, you know, then you know, we sign them up for the, the new Twitter account, and that's where I put all my market updates now. Uh, as, as the days go, as the day within the day, uh, and then we you know do some other things after in the afternoons and so on. So just go to DarrenNewson.com, take a look around. Um, you know, again, you know, a lot of familiar stuff there. Then um, you can find me on those two different places on Twitter. Awesome, Darren. Thanks so much for uh, breaking down the markets for me today. I appreciate it. Oh, uh, well, thanks for having me on, Andalay. All right. Well, Madison, that wraps up another Market Monday on the podcast. I'm excited for tomorrow's Tech Tuesday interview, though, because we finally, we've been teasing it for a little while now, but we're going to play the folks behind the Tutter app or that kind of Tinder for, for cattle app tomorrow. I know, Delaney, I have been so excited to play that one. I actually listened to it while I was um, finishing up editing one day. <laughs> Oh. I went ahead and listened to that interview just because I was so interested in it. Absolutely. So I'm excited for our listeners to be able to hear that That's one. That's right. Folks, you don't want to miss that episode tomorrow. You don't want to miss any episode, really, of the Ag News Daily Podcast. We've always got interesting stuff going on here. You can interact with us on social media at Ag News Daily on Twitter or on Facebook if there's content you feel like we should be covering or you can always listen to any of our past episodes or other partners on the Global Ag Network at globalagnetwork.com. Madison, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. (laughs) 